Trigger warning. The following episode may contain content that some may find disturbing. Listener discretion is advised. On a crisp October night in 1966, a young girl comes home to a seemingly empty house. She grows concerned and begins to look around the house for any sign of her family. She goes down the hall to her parents' bedroom and discovers a grisly scene. This is the unsolved, gruesome triple homicide of the Sims family. On October 22, 1966, a popular event called the North Florida Fair was having a football game that quite literally left the streets of Tallahassee, Florida, empty. Almost everyone showed up to watch Florida State play. Some of the few who chose not to go were Robert and Helen Sims and their 12-year-old daughter, Joy. Their two older daughters, 15-year-old Judy and 17-year-old Jenny, were babysitting for couples who wanted to attend the game. Jenny returned home around 11 p.m. and noticed the TV was still on in the living room, but her family was not in sight. She begins to look around the house for them. She walks down the hall to her parents' bedroom where she discovers her parents and little sister, She sees her father, bound and gagged and shot once in the head, laying on the bed. Her mother was on the floor, shot twice in the head and once in the leg, both of her parents still clinging to life. Her little sister was already dead with a gunshot wound to the head and her nightgown pulled up, multiple stab wounds on the chest and her panties around her thighs. Jenny was unsure who to call since 911 had not been established yet, so she looked in the phone book and called the local funeral home. Russell Bevis, owner of the Bevis Funeral Home, and his teenage son Rocky were the first on the scene. As police began to arrive, more and more people began trekking through the crime scene. Police even made a pot of coffee at the Sims home because it was taking so long. This obviously caused a lot of issues being able to collect evidence. The crime scene was ruined. I feel like the town police had just never seen anything like this before. I don't think that they were trained to go into something like that. Robert had died the day of the attack along with his daughter, Joy. Helen was still holding on and was rushed to the hospital. She lived for nine days in a coma but the bullet was so far into her brain that there would have been no coming back from it, making this a triple homicide. Investigators quickly ruled out a robbery gone wrong since the home had been untouched. There were valuables and even money just laying out in the open. Nothing had been taken or even really touched at all. It seemed pretty obvious. The person had one goal for being in that house that night. It was odd because there was no sign of a break-in at all. Maybe they had left their door unlocked or a window. It was the 60s after all. Or maybe they opened the door and let the person in. Maybe they knew them, or at least knew them well enough to make them feel comfortable enough to invite them inside. Police canvassed the neighborhood and went door to door asking the neighbors if they heard anything, saw anything. Where were they at the time of the murders, which would have been around 10.30 p.m.? It's eerie because the crime scene was still so fresh when Jenny found them. She would have just missed the killer, or killers. 
It's so hard to believe that just one person would have been able to commit a crime like this. How could they have just tied up two adults and a child without any active threat to subdue them? The killer used a specific type of knot, a granny knot. So the killer would have had to have put the gun down in order to tie those very specific knots. DNA testing wasn't a thing yet, and so the killer had used items... DNA testing wasn't a thing yet, but the killer had used items from the Sims' own home to tie them up. Lingerie, pantyhose, socks, and a tie. It's interesting to me the amount of hate that went into murdering Joy, a 12-year-old girl. The mother and the father seemed to be executed, like almost to get them out of the way. But Joy had been shot, and then her nightgown lifted up, and then stabbed then had her panties pulled down. The evidence showed that her nightgown would have been lifted up before she was stabbed. There were no stab marks in her nightgown. Her nightgown was perfectly fine. And the stab marks were also after she had been shot in the head. There was no evidence of sexual assault, which was my first thought whenever I first read through the crime scene. But if she was sexually assaulted and maybe there was just no evidence left behind, then the motive for a case like this would be obvious. It was a twisted sex crime for some pervert. But if not, then it almost seems to me like humiliation. Why expose Joy like that? It wasn't enough to just brutally murder her, but then they also had to leave her on the ground, fully exposed. That seems personal. There have been quite a few leads over the years and suspects, most of them ruled out with alibis and other means. All except one lead, Vernon Fox and his girlfriend, Mary Charles LaJoy. They would have been 20 and 19 at the time. The town knew Mary Charles as Charlie. She was a strange teenager who was described as being obsessed with death. She was breaking into funeral homes, stealing things, being a little too interested in all things dead. She had a hard life and was in and out of foster care, and even her foster parents were abusive towards her. She had befriended Vernon, and the two were quickly taken with each other. Their parents were not fans of them dating. Vernon's parents had actually forbidden him from spending any time with Charlie. But being young and in love, they frequently snuck out to be together. On the night of the murder the two decided to watch a movie at a drive-in instead of go to the game. They were both fans of the Munsters. In their reports to police, Vernon claimed they left the movie before the end. Charlie claimed they watched three movies while they were there. She says they went straight home. Vernon says they went to a lover's lane and had sex. Charlie says that's not true because they had not had sex yet. She was still a virgin. There have been these online forums where Vernon has responded trying to defend himself against people who have been accusing him. And this would have been almost 50 years after the murder. And he tries to explain away why him and Charlie's answers didn't match. But then he says something else. He claims that the Sims family died because somebody put a hit out on them. He says that when Charlie was driving him home after the movies... She dropped him off about a block from his home. Because remember, his parents didn't want them being together. So he was going to walk home. That way they didn't know whose car he was getting out of. But on his walk home, he claims to have seen a car coming right at him. He got an uneasy feeling because they were driving real slow. When they got close to him, 
They swung open the door and said, get in. Vernon was confused and the people in the car said, oh, it's not him, it's not him. And they slam the door and they take off. You see, Vernon's theory is that this group of men had murdered the Sims and they were looking for another partner of theirs who would have been out maybe wandering the streets that they were trying to find. Maybe somebody who stayed behind to clean up the mess. And Vernon thinks that he just barely escaped with his life. But there are some things that come out later that make a lot of people a little unsure. In these forums, when discussing with other people about Joy, the 12-year-old girl, Vernon makes remarks that make people a little uneasy. He claims that he would never touch that ugly little girl, referencing Joy, a 12-year-old child. He had claimed that this was an inside joke with him and Charlie about Joy's picture in the newspaper not being flattering when she died. He said that it made her look like an innocent virgin. She was 12. It's a strange way to view a 12-year-old. Reading it made me super uncomfortable. And almost 20 years later, Charlie comes to the police with details about the house and the crime that police never leaked, that she should have never known. And the recording from the interview with her, she says that Vernon was caught peeping in Joy's window since his house was directly behind hers. Joy was going to get him into trouble and she was not going to let her only friend be taken away from her. When the police asked if Charlie thought Vernon was attracted to young girls, she said yes, and it bothered her. I wonder if Charlie committed this crime in a fit of rage from jealousy if she found out that Vernon had been spying on Joy. So in her twisted mind, it was for love. She took care of a problem in her relationship by destroying a family. She was so close to confessing in that interview. But when she asked the police what would happen to her if she told them what happened that night, they told her that she would be put into a mental hospital. She immediately shut down and nothing has ever come from it since. The Sims case is still unsolved. There is still this immoral being walking around the streets, breathing the free air. Thank you for listening. If you haven't done so already, please make sure that you leave us a rating. This really helps our podcast grow and allows us to reach more listeners.